Welcome to the Radicards podcast on radicards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Greeno, and today I've got Brian Hayes joining me of Lingua Sports Cards. And now today we're going to be talking about something that we're all dealing with, social distancing, right? Sort of how it's impacted the hobby. Now, Brian, you and I have been collecting a long time, and this is kind of a very unique situation that we've encountered that's relevant to all of us. Um, and, you know, I'd like us to just talk about how we've like what we've experienced, you know, what we've observed and sort of our theories. And some of these things, obviously, we can't back any of this up with any degree of certainty or causation, but there may be a correlation, at least. At least there's something. I mean, correlations are meaningless without causation, right? It's just like, yes, if it's sunny outside and some one of your favorite TV shows is on, there's that doesn't mean that be, it's sunny outside because of one of your favorite t- TV shows is on. It's just there happens to be a correlation there. So with the social distancing and the hobby, the impact in the hobby, I'm I'm going to talk about some of the things that I've I've observed over the last couple of months since like March, early Marchish. And you know, Brian, you know, just feel free to jump in and 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 we're kind of going to banter on this for a while because I think it's relevant right now since we're all sure. kind of stuck at home and you know some of us have some liquid cash, other uh, some of us are tight budgeted right now. Totally understandable. Um, and you know, we're all hearing the same stuff and but we're just going to kind of talk about how we think social distancing has impacted the hobby. So I'm going to start. So since March, uh, I've noticed some spikes in sales of certain classic cards. Okay. But let's talk about psychology for a minute before we jump into this. You know, there's that old saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? So when you have extra time on your hands, you're going to be thinking about, you know, things to do that might not be uh, desirable. We call this opportunity theory, where we have extra time, so we're going to go like rob a Seven Eleven, right? Like that's the thing that you know, when people are out of work, they go and get into skullduggerous activities. Um, whereas in, in in the hobby, I'm going to turn this around to a positive. In the hobby, we have extra time. We can go think about cards that we, you know, we'll have more time to ponder about the hobby, like what we used to collect, what we used to like when we were kids. Um, the stuff that like classic cards, like, oh, I remember that card, whatever. We have more time to think about this stuff because we're not stuck at a nine to five job. You know, a lot of us are at home working from home now, or we're on unemployment or whatever, whatever the case is, we're isolated. So we have more time to, to ponder thoughts on things that we like that make us happy during this really weird time. And so because of that, we have time to think about some of the stuff that we might have not thought about at least for a while. Um, and so we're going to go and research those things on eBay and, oh my gosh, they're cheap. I'm going to buy those things now because I hadn't thought about them for a while. So now what I'm seeing now is a spike in sales of certain cards that just a couple of months ago, you could have gotten for like, say 30 bucks, 30, 60, 80 bucks. Now they're like 120 to $400 cards. And, and I don't know if there's a causation or if it's just, you know, we have more time to think. So now we're seeing this. Or, or, or more people are like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about that card. That's awesome. I'm totally going to go and get that card. And But I don't know what the catalyst is for those changes. The only thing I can think of is just people have more time on their hands. Perfect example. I'm going to give you two examples right now just off the cuff. 91 Upper Deck SP Baseball Jordan, the Michael Jordan card. That card just a couple months ago could be had for just a few bucks raw. Now it's like a 12 to $15 card raw. And PSA 10s are fetching like $350. But that card was not $350 just a couple months ago. Okay, that's instance number one. There, there, and also, too, there's no shortage of that card. There, I mean, it's 91 Upper Deck. It, it is the, the absolute prime 
of the junk wax, junk wax era. So that there is no shortage. You know, what is SP in 1991? I mean, the elites themselves had print runs of 10,000, right, from Don Russ. So the 91 Upper Deck SP Jordan, I'm thinking like well into the five figures, if not the six figures print cop print run for that car. Like there, it's available all day long, every day, the week, 24-7, forever. You can always find a copy of that card online. So I, I don't expect this spike to last, but when it comes back down, it probably won't come back down to where it was. It'll just be a little higher. That's typically what I've seen with predict, uh, like the trends is that when something spikes and it does call that, you know, the dust settles, um, the values are a little bit higher than where they initially were not crazy higher, but like, you know, instead of 40 bucks, it might settle at 60 bucks, you know? So for this card, if it was had for like five bucks, it might come back down to like eight bucks, you know? And so that's instance number one. Instance number two, as a Frank Thomas collector, I've, I've, I keep track of Frank Thomas cards at list pretty routinely. And uh, I've noticed that pretty much everything of his from 1990 that's graded PSA 10, a couple months ago, predictable sales of like the Topps card was like 25 bucks. The Leaf, anywhere between 60 and 80 bucks, like right in that, that, that $20 range there. Um, now that 90 tops card is like $120 card in a 10, the 90 leaf 350 to $400. This is like insanity to me because there's no shortage of those cards in high grade. So I, I think that we're seeing a spike now, but once we get back to work, we're going to see the dust set on things go kind of, you know, normalize again. I don't expect the leaf rookie to be had again and, you know, for 60 to 80, but it might come back down to like 120. I don't know, uh, what's going to happen, but. Um, I, I can't expect this 90 leaf for $400 business to last forever. It's just, it's just, I don't see it being sustainable as far as the Jordan card. Again, it's just too many copies out there. I don't see it being sustainable. If the card was super rare, um, and it came from a highly short printed set, uh, then we can talk about sustainability. But even if, if that were the case, we would have already seen values for that card. There wouldn't be a spike. It wouldn't exist. And if it were, it would be like a little hiccup because it would already be rare and already be hard to find in high grade. So these are the kinds of things I think about how um, social distancing has potentially impacted the hobby. It's given us a lot more time to think about cards. And in that sense, it's given us a lot more time to surf eBay around those thoughts. So Brian, uh, your thoughts. Sure. Um, well, for first of all, for Michael Jordan uh, in particular, um, I'm not sure if you're, you're aware of Patrick, but um, ESPN right now has been running the Last Dance documentary where they've been showcasing Jordan's final season with, oh, okay. yeah. with, um, with the, with the bulls there in 97, 98. And, um, I think, uh, not just Jordan, but a lot of those bulls players, in addition to what you said, I think the documentary, um, especially I think, um, like the, the younger collectors who maybe didn't see Jordan, uh, when he was actually playing are sort of, uh, being, uh, introduced or reintroduced to, to Michael Jordan. So that might be, um, playing in a, an additional factor. Like Jordan's always going to be hot. Um, but yeah, like what we've seen, like with these increases, it's just, um, there's probably multiple reasons for it, but definitely I thought I would, should mention that, uh, that documentary I've watched the first eight episodes. There's two, two left. They do a really good job of not, not just showcasing the 97, 98 season, but really, uh, his entire career starting, uh, back at his days at North Carolina. So that documentary, uh, in conjunction with just people having maybe more time to peruse eBay, think about the cards that they used to collect might be. A reason for you know increases uh, in Jordan, but like also as you mentioned, 
also, as you mentioned, like, you know, the whole the whole hobby seems to be on fire right now. So, yeah, with uh, Jordan and those Bulls players, the, the, this documentary, just a really excellent documentary that ESPN has been putting on. I think that might be contributing to the growth uh, in his cards. But um, as far as the rest of the market, like, definitely, like, I've seen it. Baseball, basketball, and football recently over the last two months increases in in prices in, in a lot of cards. And um, for me, I think maybe a couple of reasons that, you know, I, I think that might be able to explain or partially explain why we're seeing that. Because on the surface, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, right? Like uh, the, the economy has been obviously affected um, in many negative ways because of the COVID-19 situation. And you know, the thinking, the, the natural thinking is there should be less disposable income around and cards often for, for a lot of people, it's, it, it is a hobby and like that's where they're using disposable income. And so it doesn't on the surface make a whole lot of sense that we're seeing these increases in prices. But uh, um, I do think that because we, uh, the, the lack of actual sporting events of actual games, people do have extra time as well. In addition to maybe just being home more often with chances to be on the internet and um, checking out eBay and other, um, other sites where you can pick up cards um, without games on like that, you know, watching sports, actually, you know, watching the games and athletes that actually in and of itself takes a lot of time. And that also might be keeping, um, you know, generally speaking, you know, if you're not spending a couple hours a night watching sporting events, it gives you more time to be looking at eBay and sort of remembering having that nostalgia for some of those cards that, you know, um, for, for older collectors that, that they, they, that they, they chased after as a kid and that feeling of nostalgia, um, can, you know, maybe be a partial explanation for why, uh, some of the, the, the interest and demand for some of these cards is going up, um, but also, I think that if you think about why people enter the hobby of car collecting, I don't even know if hobby is the right, the right word because for, for a lot of people, it is a hobby. And for other, other individuals, it's not a hobby. Uh, cards are a mechanism, a vehicle to, uh, for in, in investing and for um, uh, trying, to, trying to earn some profit. And um, how do you do that in cards is you have to have knowledge of both cards and sports to, to do it. And it takes, it takes a lot of work, uh, but it can be done if you're in, uh, in the collecting game to, for, for investment purposes. And if you're looking to flip uh, in the short run or maybe investing for the long run, it takes a lot of knowledge and, and hard work. Um, but there's other ways, uh, there's other ways if you're interested in sports to, other than sports cards, that uh, it's possible to turn knowledge of sports into financial gain. And um, a couple of those, just off the top of my head, um, would be just direct gambling on the actual sporting events. You can, you know, there's, it's pretty easy to gamble these days. It's getting easier and easier. And uh, a lot of people do that. Um, also, a lot of people like to play fantasy sports. And uh, depending on which league you're in, there's, there's potential in fantasy sports to also um, can get some pretty uh, hefty uh, uh, paydays for that if you do it right and you're very serious about it. Uh, you have to have a lot of knowledge about sports to do it. The thing is with the current situation, um, gambling on sports and fantasy sports, they're, they're gone because there's no actual sporting events. And so you've got, um, you know, at least it, it, seems, it, it, it seems like this might be one explanation to me at least is that you might have certain individuals who have knowledge about sports, who like sports, but can't use that knowledge um, the norm the way they normally would be, and that would be you know people interested in fantasy sports and gambling. 
those those mechanisms are shut off now without uh, live sporting matches. But cards, collecting cards, is not turned off right now. We, we're obviously still collecting cards. And so you might have those individuals moving away from the the arenas which they typically find themselves and moving into the industry of sports cards, wanting to use their knowledge for investment purposes. And you can still do that even without live sporting uh, events. And so I think uh, the population of individuals going after cards or certain cards at least uh, could be attributed to just a, a newer population um, that is, is sort of joined the, the old population of, uh, of collectors and it's sort of expanded uh, right now. And so I think that those individuals, um, for me, the question is going to be like the, lo- the long run impact um, is, you know, once we get the, the live sporting matches back, individuals like that, are they going to stay in the hobby or are they going to go back to their traditional arenas uh, of, of knowledge and um, just sort of leave um, card collecting? And so I think that remains to be seen. But um, for the time being, without um, the, 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 the live, live sports, I, I think we we can expect um, at least at least I don't know if it, that these prices are going to keep going up. I mean, like it's it's crazy some of the prices that that we're seeing and and the demand there, which is you know not necessarily a, a bad thing. I mean, I think it's healthy that people are interested in in sports cards or at least thinking about sports cards because obviously we've seen it go the other way in the past sometimes. Um, but uh, you are you, you can be you know obviously we don't want the the hobby the hobby to be so overheated with all these investors that, um, you know, some so-called traditional collectors might, you know, you're going to start to feel the impact of all these, like, uh, just increased prices across the board. So it's sort of a, a balance that we're all trying to understand at the moment. Thank you, Brian. That's, there's a lot to cover there. Um, I took some notes as you were talking here. So the first thing that I, going back to the Jordan stuff, yep. so you, you mentioned something that I, I often have to remember with, cards is that whenever something is covered on tv it drastically for a temporary time until the tv coverage is you know as expires if you will um that that time frame impacts sale values of cards people like oh my gosh the jordan documentary i should list a jordan card because it's gonna put more eyeballs on his stuff in the market that's common that like that's a common that's a common cause and effect of 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 the hobby is that uh, if, if, if ESPN is going to run something, uh, it's going to keep thoughts of that something on the forefront. And then I'm going to go look for that on eBay because they're it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day is that when that happens, people want something to share with their friends to converse about over, you know, Buffalo wings at the bar, which is awesome. You know, I, I always used to joke that, you know, soccer is not an American sport although we have soccer teams because people don't go to the bars to talk about soccer plays. They go to the bars, to talk about football plays, basketball plays, baseball plays. Yeah. We, we, we sometimes might talk about hockey plays, but it's probably extremely rare because mm-hmm. hockey is more of a Canadian sport. Right. Um, and so we have these other things that when we, we want conversation pieces into our collections so that we can go and, you know, be excited about our stuff with somebody else, our friends who might also collect the same stuff. And so 
Um, the ESPN documentaries are 30 for 30s. Now they should call them like a thousand for thousands because they're going to keep doing these. And it's, they've, they're well beyond 30 videos right now. Initially, it was like 30 videos by 30 directors, but now they're like, they've, I mean, now it's just a name. It doesn't have the same meaning. But those documentaries are amazing. And like when they had the, the 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 Jordan documentary when he was in my, the uh, the dude's ninety four ninety five baseball with the farm team for the White Sox, mm-hmm. that that was a great documentary and I'm sure that when it came out we saw a spike for his baseball cards, and I collect his baseball cards. I have most of the ones that I want. There are a few others that are sort of high end that I just don't see that I'd like to have. And of course it'd be nice to have some um, some high grade examples, but. They're all pretty affordable because they came out during a time when they weren't really rare um, and they still kind of aren't that rare. And so it's really nice. But, yeah, it, you brought up a good point that when something is covered on TV, it, it impacts average resale values of, of items for the, of the associated player online. Um, and so, it, 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 you know, from the investor, it would be considered a bad time to buy because yeah. of that. And so I, I typically will end up buying stuff of players that, you know, people aren't buying. Like I bought my Kurt Schilling 89 Donruss PSA 10 many years ago, and it was like $10. Now that card is over $100 because he's expected to get in the Hall of Fame next year. And yeah. so uh, like, like I bought my 90, 1990 Leaf Larry Walker in a PSA 10. I was the only bidder at like 10 bucks many years ago. Now that card's like 180 bucks, You know, and so it's like... Harold Baines, PSA 9, 90, 81 tops. I got mine for, I think, less than $15 back in 2010. Now that card in a 9 is, you know, it's expensive. And so, like, I always look at it as, what what are people not buying? That's the stuff I should be buying right now. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't, but, you know, I don't, I, I try to pay close attention to that. Like, I, you know, I, I talk about this before, is it, there's a category of what I like to call bandwagon collectors. And these are the types who jump on whoever's the hot prospect right now. And whoever's selling is making, you know, good decisions by moving that stuff right now. Whoever's selling like Tatis Jr. and, uh, you know, Guerra, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and, and, and um, uh, some of the hot players right now, they're, they're cleaning up. They're cleaning up. Yeah. And it's because, because there are a lot of collectors who like to collect just the current prospects. And I, I've always been of the mindset, at least I, I've become this way now. When I was younger, I was totally buying, you know, Travis Lee in 1997. Um, but but I, I'm of the mindset of like, wait until it cools off. You know, I'm going to buy an Otani card like in s- some years down the line from now, and it'll probably be a nice one. But at the time, it'll have, it'll have cooled off so much that it'll, to me, it'll be considered a great card to have at the price. Yeah, but had I bought the card in 2018 when they were just coming out, like I'd have paid it through the nose for it, and I'm okay waiting. Like I'm patient. I don't need to have anything in my collection at any specific time. I don't even own a single trout card, and I don't know when I will. And who knows if I ever will? I don't know. It's just like there are times when I feel like I should be buying something when nobody else is buying it, because because it's it's I look at it as from like. I've I've made bad investment decisions, just like the next guy. I've, I've bought at the wrong times in the market. I've bought at really good times. But the, you brought up the news coverage, and I thought that was a good thing to point out because I'm curious to learn if we didn't have ESPN running that coverage, if we had seen this drastic of a spike in that 91 Upper Deck card. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. it's 
It's hard hard to tell. I mean, just my my own personal experiences is that um, I've been hanging around uh, Instagram uh, a lot more recently. There's a lot of basketball card collectors, and it's this Jordan documentary has just been front and center. People have just been going after Jordan, like the, uh, just very just aggressively. And there's lots of references to the, to, to the documentary. Um, there's like lots of like just um, after watching, uh, you know, an episode or two, people are discussing the documentary. Like I can really see, like I, I feel like I can see it in real time. People watching the documentary, discussing the cards, and then just pushing each other to go after Jordan's uh, basketball, and then I'm as well as the the baseball. Um, but you mentioned something that's that's pretty interesting as well. And when we talk about COVID nineteen and how how it affects the hobby. Like I think obviously there's changes going on the last couple of months with the the just the wholesale increase in prices. Um, but for me individually, and it sounds like you as well. Like I would say, like I haven't been impacted at all. Like how I was pursuing cards, the the amount of time I was pursuing cards, which cards I was going after. After like it hasn't. Like I feel like my it's been status quo for me. Mm-hmm. Like I am. Um, like I've never, I've, I've purchased most of my cards online. Like I've never really, um, I don't have like a local card shop that I go to. Um, and so like, I've just been sort of spending the, the same amount of time online. And because of that, like I can see lots of increases in prices, but for me as an individual, like I would say like it hasn't impacted me really, really at all. Obviously you've got to be more careful because there's, there's so many spikes um, going on, but I mean that's just common sense anyway. Like you would always, you're always on the look lookout for that. Or do prices seem high or artificially high? You've got to take note of that mm-hmm. and sort of like balance, you know, the the desire to obtain a certain card with you know increases and fluctuations in price. Um, so like I'm, you're just always, you know, I, I think a, a wise collector is always, you know, paying attention to what the market is doing so they can make you know informed decisions. Uh, but because of that, like, you know, I, I feel like I've got enough experience collecting now. Like I, I'm able to read the market better than, you know, like most of us, you know, we, we all have, you know, mistakes that we've made, but we, we generally get, you know, more savvy to the market a, a, as we go. And because of that, um, you know, like I've just, I've sort of tried to stay away from, um, some of these, like just really, um, high, high increases in certain cars that we're seeing, I will say this, however, though, is that um, I did, like in like February, I did um, January, February, that that time frame, I did add a couple of Jordans to my collection, um, and that just it turned out to be really good timing timing for me <laughs> because those cars just exploded. So like I'm feeling happy about that, and like I I wasn't consciously doing that because like you know who, who I mean COVID nineteen it, it was starting to make news in like January. Um, but it, obviously, it really wasn't until March that, at least here in the United States, we really felt the the significant, significant impact that we're all feeling right now. Um, and like, I guess um, because of that, like, I knew it, even in, even like in January, like I knew the, um, the this documentary was coming from ESPN. I think originally it was set to be released like in June during like the NBA playoffs, and right. it, it got it got it got moved up. So some of those things were sort of in the, the back of my mind, but really the real mo- motivation for me when, when I added those cards was, was just that I like the player. I like Michael Jordan as a player. It, there was no, I wasn't looking at it so much as, from an investment standpoint. Um, like I said, you always have to balance that. But at the end of the day, I just I wanted Jordan cards into my collection just to, to you know make my collection a little bit more 
uh, well-rounded than I, than I thought that it was. I wanted representation of MJ or a little bit more representation. So like, I'm, I'm feeling happy about that. Um, but if I was really like trying to really pursue this thing from an, like an investment standpoint, I would have just been all over MJ, like only buying MJ like in January and February. And I, I wasn't doing that. Like, that's just not typically how I pursue things. And, um, you know, uh, you know, that's just been my, my personal experience here. It's kind of interesting to listen to others. And like, if, if you do have time, like you can sort of see people talking on social media in various places about like just these crazy prices and how people are trying to adapt and adjust to it. Um, it's just nice just to be able to sort of observe from the sidelines a little bit. I kind of feel like that's what I'm doing. Um, just sort of watching the hobby and trying to lay low a little bit right now and just sort of seeing what happens. I like to just watch a lot of stuff in the hobby, like as an observer, just take note. Like, oh, that's interesting. That's sold for that much. I, I, for a while there in Radicards, Cards, I was doing the top 10 lists. Um, yeah. You might remember those. And, and I loved doing them, by the way. But And if you're listening and you liked them, I'm glad you liked them. I stopped doing them, at least for now, because they're extremely time-consuming to create. They're awesome. <laughs> it's fun. But th what I was the whole reason for that is because I, 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 I'm on eBay all the time for selling and buying, like, Frequently, we launched we launched our auction house like like late last year, and so we're I'm processing a lot of auctions now, and um, so I'm on eBay every day. And then there's stuff on eBay that sells that I don't want to own, but I like I like the card. I'm like, man, that's a what a great card. I don't want to own it, but I just think it's such a cool card to have. And so I, but I want and I wanted to archive them in some in some way. And so the top ten lists allowed me to do that. And so it's been cool to kind of watch um, the like what's been selling now that I don't do the top 10 list, at least presently, I just throw stuff into like a, a Pinterest board or a, a, a variety of, of them. I have a bunch of them on Pinterest. And so, um, I'm able to keep stuff that way. It's not as cool as having like, you know, the, 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 the 10 and then I talk about them, but it's still a nice reference for me to like go back and think, Oh man, that, that, so that super factor sold. I don't remember the price of it cause the links no longer in working fashion, but that card at one point, brought in it, probably something nice but look how great it is and so i look at that on instagram is sort of the same way you know you, you've had some success on there and i i follow a lot of the same guys you do because i like to i like to follow the card guys and i like to see what who, who's buying what and i'm a big fan of 90s basketball inserts too and i don't own really any of them but i don't really i don't really have a desire to own any of them because i'm a baseball guy i just like to see what's out there it's cool to see people's anthony hardaway collections or um, you know, the various collections that are online, I think it's fun to, to see them. And so as an observer, I get to see the, what cards are out there, what chatter is about is happening around those cards, how much is being paid for certain cards. Because a lot of us, you know, the income is all over the board with who makes what kind of money. So you've got a wide discretion of, of um, uh, spending power uh, online. And that makes for really interesting uh, content. And I, I really like that a lot. And so we're going to kind of move this conversation into this dialogue around investing versus collecting. Because what I've noticed over the last, I don't know, five years more specifically is that there's a lot of content around what cards I should be buying. Like, you, here's, you know, five cards you should be buying right now. I'm like, I don't know if you've noticed this, Brian, but and, and maybe you've thought this yourself. But when I see that, I'm like, who does this guy think he is and what makes him qualified to tell me what I should be buying? Like, this is like how I think about it is like, 
How can nobody can gauge what's going to happen tomorrow? So how can we know that these are going to be good investment decisions now? You know, like a guy could sprain his ankle and he could be out the rest of the season, and his cards won't be, be won't be sellable tomorrow. Yeah, um, definitely. Like, um, there's, I've my experience over the last couple of years is that like I've just seen more and more content creation, which is a good thing. I, I like it that people are excited about cards sure. and talk about cards. Yeah. Um, people have so many different, um, you know, the, the hobby itself is so huge. Cards go back, you know, they go back over a hundred years. Uh, there's so many different sports. There's so many different sets. It's, it's hard for any one person to be able to cover it all. So I think it's good that, um, there's, there's content out there and people are discussing it. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's always wise, you know, whether it's car collecting or anything else, it's always wise to ask yourself to be critical uh, when people are, are speaking and just asking questions like, the, why is this person, you know, stating or um, why, why is this uh, person, what is their motivation for providing certain information? What What is their motivation? And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, just have they just love cards and say, hey, this has been my experience and you know, I, I think that these cards are going up. And then there's other individuals who, whether you wanna call it pumping cards or trying to artificially increase prices, um, but um, you know, these influencers, they, they, they do exist. And it's, um, I think for, once again, for, for new, new collectors, like uh, it, it can be easy when, when you're a new collector and you're like, I need to get information to you know, find a podcast or a YouTube channel and you start listening to cert certain individuals and um, just uh, saying, hey, this, this person um, is, is stating this and they seem to be an expert. And so I'm going to just follow that, uh, the, the, you know, those uh, recommendations. That, that is something that you know, I, I, I would hope that new collectors, as they, as they come into things, uh, as they come into the, to the hobby or you know, collectors, investors, whatever you want to call them, all people should, should just – be, be critical of why certain recommendations are, are, are being made. A lot of what I've seen going up are, they, they tend to be, uh, if we're talking like base rookie cards, we're talking about like the higher grade stuff, PSA 9 and especially 10. And I think part of that is, is that the, the, grade, the, the grading companies themselves during, uh, during COVID-19, they've either been closed or they've been shut down. Things are slowing down with the, the, their ability to, to perform, perform grading. Mm -hmm. Because of that, like we talk about, like you've mentioned, like some of these cards, they're not really that rare. Um, and then even some some cards have like even like a really high like PSA or BGS population. But there's there's that perceived rarity at the moment because the the grading companies can't grade that the, the way that they normally can. And so I'm wondering if part of the reason that we're seeing this explosion in prices. Uh, especially with uh, with graded cards, is just that people are like, I can't get the cards graded now the way I normally would or could, so I'm just gonna have to bite the bullet and just pay pay higher to get a card that's already graded online. They they just don't want to wait. That's a good point, you know, and and I'm confident that that the grading companies will get back on their feet and they'll have a huge backlog to process, and that'll be good for business. Um, we'll get through this. Like, there's no question. I mean, America's been through much worse in the past. And so I, I'm not, I'm fully confident that we'll be able to recover in a quick way once we bounce back. Um, yeah. and, and you brought up a good point that because grading companies are sort of, you know, they're on pause right now that those of us who would submit say an 89 upper deck Griffey to PSA, we just, well, maybe I should go and spend the whatever amount to try to get the 10. And, you know, I hadn't really paid attention because 
89 Griffey is, is I have a couple copies myself. I don't have a 10, but I remember when they were selling for like, I don't know, 400 bucks. Now they're 1300 bucks. It's like, yeah, that's, that's insanity. I mean, granted, you know, we talk about like supply and demand. And typically when you have a higher supply, you have slightly lower demand. But the Griffey, the Thomas stuff, even the Jordan 91 upper deck, it's the, the, the supply is so high on those cards. That yeah. When I see demand not really be impacted, I'm like blown away by it. And the first card I noticed that was, was with was the 86 Fleer Jordan. You know, the quote-unquote rookie card. Yeah. I said I said it with quotes because he's already been, he'd already been in the league like three years by the time the 86 the Fleer came out. The only reason yeah. why the Fleer gets the rookie designation is because it's the first licensed product from basketball that features his likeness. But really, the 84 star card is the official rookie card. But that's another conversation entirely. So I look at like the the overall supply is not at 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 a at a deficit. It's at a like a supreme surplus, like supreme surplus. There is no shortage of 89 upper deck Griffiths. Griffiths. You will be able to like find that card every card show, every card shop, every state that has a card, you know, you always be able to get your hands on that physically and, and on online somehow one way or another. Most of us have a copy of that card. The PSA 10s, like PSA 10, 890 Leafs, Thomas's, there's not a shortage of those. In fact, the pop report continues to go up every year. And yeah. so we're seeing the spike right now. Like, are, is the 89 Griffey and a PSA 10 going to remain 1300 to $1,500? I don't know. I hope not. It seems awfully overpriced to me, but heck, it is one of the most iconic baseball cards of all time, so I get it. But it was at a it was at a it, it sounded to be like a pretty reasonable price at four hundred dollars, fifteen hundred bucks. I'm thinking that's more like eighty two tops traded Ripken, you know that that to me is more like in alignment with that price point. Yeah. But whatever the case, all of us love that card, and so it's because of its global likeness, if you will. It'll always draw a market, uh, but I just I'm not sure if that market at fifteen hundred dollars for the eighty nine upper deck Griffey to ten is sustainable over time. I mean, I, I would I would anticipate that over time it will continue to grow, but to see it go from four hundred dollars to you know fifteen hundred dollars, it's almost a four hundred percent increase in price. That's that's a big increase. Yeah, I just look at that. Kind of yeah, nice. definitely. Like, um, that's something that it's 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 starting to bother me actually a little bit more. Um, not just the 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 prices uh, for like PSA tens, but just the the price difference between a nine. Like, for example, let's just stay with PSA for the moment. Sure. Price difference between a, a nine and a ten. Like, I, I I see that. I mean, I understand that the the PSA tens would be more uh, more desirable, but you've got I think there's a certain segment of the collecting community that like they don't even consider PSA nines or like they, they, they just really, they, they're really, you know, everyone says by the card, not the grade, but in practice that, that, that does not happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. I see it not happening more and more and more. Like a lot of those uh, like sort of some coming back to something we were talking about earlier, like some of those, um, investments, um, podcasts or YouTube channels, like a lot of times like that, they're, they, they basically just go right to, to talk about PSA 10s. The PSA 10 is doing this, the PSA 10 is doing that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it's less, it, it seems to be less about the, let's talk about the card. Why is this a great card? Instead of saying, well, this is a PS10 version of that card. This is what the PSA 10 is doing. Um, I understand that everyone it's, you know, people should be able to talk about what they want. I think that that's cool. There's nothing sure. wrong about talking about what you want, but, um, right. you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, I just, I don't know people, I, I guess I get, I see some hypocrisy growing where everyone's like, collect the card, not the grade, but it's, it's, it's just not happening. I'm like, just be authentic and say, you know, I, I do care about PSA 10s and, um, you know, and I, I don't know, like I've seen a lot of nines that look better than 10s. Like it's just, you know, grading is, I think, you know, at the end of the day, grading is, you know, it's got, it's got its issues, but at the end of the day, it's been a positive for, for the hobby, but it's, it should still be about the cards at the end of the day. that's just my two cents. Brian's pissed off, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's look, okay. I, I've noticed that too. And you, you know, you bring up something really interesting is that um, the investor type content producers are, are discussing the highest grades of, you know, rare cards or whatever. But it's always like the highest grades. They're never discussing, like, but this is also a great card in eight. And yeah. this is how much money you're going to be saving if you get an eight. You know, right. And and the difference between an eight and nine is marginal. The difference between a nine and a ten is even more marginal most of the time. So it's almost unnoticeable. It's like the eighty nine upper deck Griffey. The hologram on the back impacts the grade, like how it's printed, how it's centered, like the the framing of it, that whole thing. So yeah. When I look at ca certain cards, I'm like, yeah, I'd be happy with a nine. You have that card. I don't need a ten. I mean, like the 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 trout. US 175 I'd be happy with a 9 I don't need a 10 of that card that's fine okay you know yeah. like 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 the, the um 93 SP Jeter I'd be happy with an 8 I I'd, I'd be I'm good I don't need a 9 or a, I, what, what who why bother with a 10 I could spend that money on like a down payment for a house you know yeah. like I, I look at it as like really what is it that I'm after is it after the best product quality ever or is it after just getting a version, an example into my collection of a card. I mean, take this for example. When was the last time you saw an invest, an investor podcast or content producer talking about, oh, you should get a PSA 10 52 tops mantle? Right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> dude, if you can afford a one at $15,000, <laughs> get a one. You know, right. usually it's like, oh, the Reese Hoskins in a 10 or whatever. And I'm like, all right, that's pretty predictable. But yeah, I get it. You know, whatever. It's cool. Like it's, it's, it's cards. I love cards. So I'm going to like the content, whatever. But, and then you got guys talking about, Oh, you know, the 88 Fleer update, John Smoltz in a 10. I was like, yeah, but that card in a nine is still a really good card. It's yeah. Just, you know, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like, uh, I mean, look, <laughs> I like PSA tens. Like I've got a lot of PSA tens in my collection. I, sure. have, cards. I, have, I have a lot of raw, raw cards too. Like I've got, it's, it's a, it's a, big mix of raw bgs and psa I've, I've got them all because at the end of the day i'm collecting the card and if i find the card uh you know that that has good eye appeal to me like the the, the number one inspection that's got to pass is my, my own eyes sure regardless of what what case it's in right so 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 that's just it but i i don't want to sound i don't want to be a hypocrite either here myself because i i do like the psa 10s and i would say that as i've gotten older like when i when i first started collecting I mean, as a kid, obviously, like I was a pure collector, but even as an adult, when I came back, like I, I, I always considered myself a pure collector. But what, what has happened is as 
as my ability to finance more expensive cards has increased over time, which it has, um, and you're starting to look at more valuable cards, you, you do start thinking about cards a little bit. Like we're all, we're all human. We, we like to know the value of our cards. Um, and, and you're conscious, you're conscious of it. Like, even if you, you think you'll, you'll never sell this card, like you're conscious of it and it's, it's fun to watch. Um, over time though, like, you know, so, so for me, like I still, like I still feel at heart, like I'm a, a so-called, you know, pure collector. Like I, most of the cards that I bring in, it's, it's the purpose to keep for the long run, sure. you know, and I, for me, like I've said this before, like for me, the ideal situation for me is I collect the cards all my life and then I pass them down to my kids um, someday, you know, hopefully a long time from now. But that that is sort of my the ideal scenario for me and my collection. I just I like the cards. I like to learn about sports. I, I like the nostalgia um, all about collecting. I just love it. I like to learn about the players. When I first started collecting, it was that was the reason I collected is I wanted to learn about the players and the sports. Uh, but back to what I was saying over time, though. Like as you, as you become, uh, you know, more savvy to, to the market and stuff, like you, you start paying attention to and seeing and understanding, at least understanding better how cards can be an investment. And I would say like over time, like I'm, I'm probably more sort of like in, in the middle here between pure collector and investor. And, and the reason for that is, is that, you know, we, we all live in the, the real world. And um, you never know when uh, you're, you're going to have to, um, you know, if if a, a bad situation shows up and you need to turn your your collection into in, into money. Like if, if that happens, if something were to, to happen to one of my family members and, and I had to do that, like if they got sick or, you know, some, some something bad were to happen, some um, something bad were to happen. And I had to do that and I had to raise some funds. I, I, I would sell, sell my cards. And so, like, I'm conscious of being able to do that like how liquid are are the cards in, in my collection would i be able to get financial value for that and so um I, and i think that's like i'm not unique there like i think there's lots of collectors out there like you know ideally like cards are there to be enjoyed and we have them in our collection but we have to be realistic and understand that you know things happen in life life is unpredictable and as this covid 19 situation is showing sometimes like uh uh, you know, you've got to do, you've got to make those hard decisions and it might be necessary to, to sell a, a card or most of your collection or some of your collection. And so you've got to, you've got to pay attention. And I think that's, I think that's wise collecting, a wise way to be into, into the hobby. Like you're, uh, understanding the market and paying attention to the market. So even if you'd feel like you're not in certain aspects of the market, if you ever have to jump in, if you ever have to be in that market where like, okay, I need to liquidate my collection. Uh, you know, to, to, to do something that I need to do personally, that you're able to not be taken. Like you've, you've already done your, your research ahead of time. And I think that's where I find myself at the moment, like just sort of understanding, okay, this card here, I might really like it, but I don't see it growing in value over the next 10 years. And so like sometimes when I'm making a decision, like I'm, I, you know, I'm going to make a purchase, like I want to add a card to my collection. There's two really awesome cards that I'm looking at. They might be of equal value today. Like probably, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm asking myself, okay, wh which one of these cards is, is going to do better, you know, in, in the long run, just in case I, I need to liquidate it, um, you know, I'll, I'll be uh, in better position to do so. Yeah, those are good thoughts, man, because I, you know, I, I've got some, I've got a friend of mine who's, uh, he's pretty well known in the hobby. He's, I'd say really well known. And he, 
one one national he and I were got to talking and he he had he'd mentioned he's like hey Patrick check this out I just bought this he he was as a BGS nine Desert Shield chipper okay and I was like that's great he's like yeah I just started buying stuff that I intend to just use for investment purposes to like make money down the line like it's not part of my collection it's just it's just to sell later I was like that's a really good idea like that's yeah. a really good thing to exercise in addition to collecting like. Buy stuff just for turning around later in life because, um, I, like, like trading cards are just as much of an investment as stocks, precious metals. Granted, they might be more volatile, but they still are very much investments. You know, they're. It's funny. I. <laughs> some people don't think they are, but they are. The very definition of an investment is something that fluctuates in value, and you can turn a profit on them by buying low and selling high. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be rocks for all I care. Yeah. <laughs> If you can buy it at a certain price point and it value tends to increase or decrease at a certain point, you can sell it at a profit later. That's an investment. Trading cards are absolutely that. They absolutely that. Some better investment decisions than others, obviously. I have I have cards in my collection I wouldn't be able to sell for the price I bought them for. But I those specific items, those specific acquisitions were not made for the in specific intention of turning a profit later. They were just because I like the cards and I want them in my collection. Some items, I, I can't think of an item I've actually purchased for the with this specific intent of turning a profit later. My Thomas collection stays with me, remains with me, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's so it's it remains with me to such a degree that it's 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 in my will, like it's that far into what I've been doing. I've been doing this for over thirty years, so like yeah. it's staying with me. Yeah. Um, but you know, like when I would launch my auction house uh, some months back, I went through my collection and kind of like. Yeah, I could put this on my house. I don't need it. But I didn't buy those items because I wanted to make a profit. I just acquired certain things over time from buying collections or, you know, whatever, that I just found stuff to put through my auction house and, and move just because I wanted to get some more exposure. But me, I'm I'm a collector. Like at heart, I just love acquiring, but I'm very specific about what I buy, what I collect. That You know, all the things I buy have to run through a series of prerequisites like do they does it fit in my collection if so how where would it fit and do i collect this set do i collect this player what about the card is the card high end enough for to like qualify as like an ad because i don't just buy commons i don't you know i don't open i don't open wax and so like i have all these prerequisites for the singles that i acquire into my collection and so every single acquisition is like dang that's a nice card you know and so yeah. I, I like going through my collection and, and, and looking at what I've got because it's it's fun. It's like, it, but really the hobby should be about fun. If you like buying low and selling high and that's fun to you, do that. If you like investing, do that. There's no wrong answer here when it comes to collecting because investing is a form of collecting as well. You're just doing it for a different reason. You're not collecting it to hang on to it. You're collecting it to turn it around later. I totally get that. I think it's fine. You do what makes you happy. Um, you know, and, and I think that with the, going back to this COVID conversation is that we have time right now to be able to tinker with those those ideas. If you want to invest, um, if you want to collect, if you want to go for stuff that you hadn't thought of previously or hadn't thought of in a while. Yeah. Cherry pick those items. This is a great time to do that. You know, and and in that note, I want to just kind of close it out and say, Brian, what what is what is one way the 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 social distancing has impacted you as a collector? Um, let's see here. Well, I had actually 
For me, um, actually, just talking about uh, my family, I have a, 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 a how old is he now? Seven, a seven-year-old son who I'm trying to get into collecting. And so we had planned to go to, we had actually planned to go to a card show in April near near where I live. And um, we, we, we've been before, but we, we don't always make it. We probably make a, a show maybe once or twice a year. And uh, my son, I was really looking forward to, to taking him. He had mentioned to me that he was interested in going. Um, he, he likes sports, but he's also interested like in like Pokemon and stuff. Sure. And so that might be, that's, that's, uh, might be an avenue for him to, to get into collecting. And so we, we missed that. And I feel like because of that, um, you know, it's maybe, uh, you know, that was, that was a disappointment. We weren't able to go to that, that show. There'll be more opportunities later on, but, uh, um, you know, in, in April, that was definitely something that, uh, we were not able to do. And, uh, you know, we just have to, um, you know, just get through this and we'll, we'll find a time to go later on. I wanted to talk about this because this, we're all impacted by social distancing right now, you know, and we're all kind of tired of it, I think, most of us. And so we, we're social beings, you know, naturally. And so this is hard time for everybody. You know, I, I like card shows, and the National's been postponed to December. December in New Jersey at the National. Like, I can't think of a worse time <laughs> to have the National. Um, but it's whatever the case is, we just kind of work around it and uh, accept the terms that, that are that are allocated to us and make the most of it so thank you for tuning into the radicards podcast and radicards.com i'm your host patrick reno and until next time enjoy collecting if you like this content please subscribe thank you enjoy collecting